Spring of Life Fellowship and its pastor, Joaquin G. Molina, invites you to listen to a message of restoration and strengthening for your life. Be a part of the vision, changing the world. To this world and its thoughts that are twisted. And from Katy Perry with her demon dance and Beyonce with the lust-filled display and even the Latifah and the Madonna uh, and all these that that promote perversion and immorality and things worthy of your judgment, we pray, Father God, that we would be a light and that we would be able to represent your kingdom and that we walk in such a manner that it is visibly at hand and within reach Lord, as if bringing them out of the fire and out of the destiny of hell, that you give us your heart and your passion to go out and reach the lost, and that your kingdom would be tangible, that it would be practical, that it would be pragmatic as people see our lives and see our marriages and see our children, that we walk in joy and peace and righteousness, not because of the caliber of our moral disposition, but because of your salvation, because the blood of Jesus, because of the rescue, he who has come to seek and save the lost has found us and has brought a salvation that far exceeds what we thought was possible. And so we bask in the lavish extravagance of this salvation, and we pray, Father God, that we press in all the more And that our children might walk in the the reality of your goodness and provision. And that we pray that this church would be uh, forced to contend with in our time. As everything we do be an expression of your glory upon the earth. That our obedience would be the manifest presence of your kingdom being done. And your will coming down upon the earth, Lord. And we pray that this word, Father God, open the eyes of our understanding that we might participate and be part of those called in the last days to confront everything unrighteous and stand and be the standard and the measure of the waves of iniquity that have flooded our media and our music and our culture. Raise up these men of God Raise up these marriages, O God. Let them be a trophy of your grace for our generation, O God. Let them be a wellspring of life. Let our children be the warriors that stand up strong to represent your kingdom, O God. The men like the valiant men of David that will fight the battles of the Lord on every front. And Father God, one shall chase a thousand and when they partner and agree, ten thousand will be taken captive and surrender at your feet. And we believe that we are the agent that will change nations, O God, through the grace that's been poured out in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. As we go into Luke chapter 10, verse 8, Jesus says, it's whatever city you enter, if they welcome you, receive those things that are set before you. Uh, The... The nations we've been at, and it's been supernatural, the most has been, and and the most recent, like, 
like powerful South Africa and Argentina. And when you represent the kingdom and, and you're, you're not a fraud and you're not a fake and you're the legitimate image of things considered eternal, uh, one of the words the Lord used to give me is, Joaquin, you're a kingdom person. You're a citizen of the kingdom. You got legitimate papers. You're, you're not, you know, you're, you're not uh, illegal. You, you, you walk in such a manner that is serious in these affairs. And when you go to these cities, they'll be able to see who you represent. And, and it's something in the spiritual realm. And I thank God for the supernatural covering. Um, if you were to wear a uniform for the city of Miami Police Department, and somebody was messing with you, tried to run you over in their car or tried to mug you or burglarize you or rob you, they know they have to mess with thousands of police officers that would respond to any attempt on your life. It's the same thing with the kingdom. If you represent the kingdom, you have the uh, disposition of angels at your charge and spiritual air. And sometimes I felt like a dignitary going through these cities, saying, Lord, how come I don't know one single native of this country and, and their supernatural welcoming and, and the entourage, people that have traveled with us have seen that. And that's what it means to, to be legitimate. You know why? Because the, the, these principalities and powers... Those kingdoms that, that come against the kingdom of God, those, those uh, powers, uh, demons, evil spirits, that, that whole entourage, uh, they know how legitimate you are. In the book of Acts, uh, some men were trying to tell some demons to leave, and they say, look, we know Jesus and we know Paul, but you're not legitimate. And so they beat those men up and took their clothes, and they had to run naked. And so you don't want to go and confront forces of evil and not be serious, not be legit. So whatever city you go into, those things that are set before you, receive them. Verse 9, powerful. Heal the sick there. You know, sometimes verse 9, heal the sick, talks about the authority we have to do the work of the kingdom. And so... Really powerful how God has called us to, to overcome the infirmities of the sick and say to them, this is, this is where it gets interesting, open your mouth and speak and say, hey, the kingdom of God is here and there is no infirmity in the kingdom of God. So that introduction is the confrontation of that which rots and makes poor and that which alivens and makes whole. And so that is the announcement of the kingdom of God. Again, we said on Sunday, the realm where the king rules. And there cannot be anything ruling where the king is ruling. And so he says, announce to them the kingdom of God has come near to you. And we've been able to do that on many fronts. And we've seen incredible fruit and results. Our first ministry was in Mexico. And this is, this is supernatural. But when the kingdom of God came into Merida, there was one young man. His name was Geronimo. 
He had not taken one single step until he was nine years old. He was propped in a wheelchair, slouching over with the muscles of his back, not strong enough to even sit up on his chair. Uh, The infirmity is called dropsy. You can look it up in Google, where you have no muscular integrity to hold your skeletal body up. And his mom came into the church, and within three weeks of her bringing Geronimo, he sat up on his wheelchair and started clapping. Within six months, he was walking. His bones were so brittle that he suffered broken legs in a six-month period like three times. So he had cast all the way to his hips. And still with the cast, he was Nothing's going to stop me, for the kingdom of God has come. He took him to school to register him, and they said, Ma'am, your son will never be able to get educated. And and they had to let him in school because they gave him one of these little educational boards, and he was beating the machine. He was beating the, 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 the programs. And so Geronimo had an incredible encounter with the kingdom of God. And, and so this, the travesty of this is not that the kingdom of God has come, but as soon as all these people started prospering and being blessed and healthy and no more problems, they left the church. And that, that is the wickedness of man. It's, the problem is not the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is powerful. It's a kingdom of light. It's a kingdom of truth. It's a kingdom that the Bible says that it's an unshakable kingdom. So when you put your life together in that kingdom, the devil can't mess with you. And he says, um, a wise man hears the words of God and builds his life on the rock. When the storms come and the floods rise and the winds blow, it will not fall for it's built on the word of God. But the fool is he who hears the teachings of the kingdom and does not do them. I will compare him as a fool who built his life on the sand. And a lot of people build their sandcastles. And then when the floods rise and the winds blow and the rains fall, it falls and great is its ruin. It's not no small thing when a man's life starts falling apart because there's no principles in the kingdom. So Jesus is announcing, and this is how he, he on Sunday talked to us about what a world-changing kingdom is. Today, he's making it practical so we see what it is. And so in that kingdom, we will be going to cities. We will participate in a welcoming of those places to participate in those things set before us. And there's no greater honor than to represent the kingdom of God to the nations. Now, what is the integrity of your involvement, or are you a traitor? We talked about that also, that, that Judas said, how much do you want for me to betray the king? And so it took 30 pieces of silver. But in your case, uh, you powerfully to move in the direction of that kingdom. Uh, verse 1, Luke chapter 10, verse 1, after these things... Jesus appointed 70 others also, and he sent them two by two before 
him, set them two by two before his face into every city and place where he himself was about to go. And so we, we become uh, those that pronounce the reality of the kingdom as we go into these nations. And then the Lord comes and does his mighty works in these places. Verse 2, he said to them, truly this harvest is great and there are few workers, few. So pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Um, there's all manner of confusion in regards to this about being a laborer and to be sent out in the harvest. Um, it was either Charles Spurgeon or Charles Feeney that says, No man who has come into the kingdom and has not shared his experience can call himself a serious participant of that kingdom. In other words, when you get to know everything that there is in coming to the kingdom, you cannot keep your mouth closed from inviting others to participate. And, and so you'll see our passion to put posters all over the city, wrap our cars, do magnets, do everything possible. What for? I cannot have the marriage I have and not invite people to the same thing. I would feel like I had the antidote to an epidemic of, of leprosy in a leper colony, have been healed, and then don't tell anybody there is an answer. I, I, would, I wouldn't be able to do that. So anybody who's participating with the goodness of God has to share it, has to share it. Um, I always point, and you can leave your, your marker there in Luke 10, I always point to Psalm 51 where, where David says like this, Lord, if my experience is legitimate, in other words, if you return to me, in verse 12, Psalm 51, verse 12, he says, restore to me the joy of this salvation and lift me up with the power of your incredible generous spirit. If you make this salvation real, if the kingdom is real, if your spirit raises me up so I'm above and upholds me, verse 13, then, then I will teach others your ways and sinners will be able to see it's real in my life. It could be real in theirs. So a lot of people uh, over the years get a little bit upset because I'm always sharing my experiences. But trust me, I was blind, naked, stupid, dumb, foolish in the sewer, swimming in the pit, and Christ has saved me. Christ is saving me. Christ is doing a glorious work in my life. And so I can't but share the reality of this testimony. Going back to Luke 10, Lord, make it legit in my life so that it becomes a reality in the lives of others. And, and I'm, I've tried over the years to throw in the towel and to quit um, I remember one day I was misbehaving and I was talking to the Lord and saying, Lord, if you just bless me, I'll still serve you. And the next scene in my life was running over a man. And almost like God saying, because I, I was a lawyer, I just started out my law practice. I said, Lord, send me a big case. Because if you send me a big case, I'll still serve you. And the big case was 
A little old man was crossing the street, and I ran him over. And God says, there's your case. And I said, wait a second. I'm on the wrong side of this case. Everything I have is going to be taken now. And then God confronted me. You're a greedy man. I've blessed you with a law career. You're not supposed to be a lawyer. I've blessed you with a building. You're not supposed to have a building. i blessed you with clients. You just got out of law school. i blessed you with an employee you, you shouldn't even have. Uh, Young men that have come out of law school don't have a building, don't have a firm, don't have clients, don't have, and you still haven't thanked me for anything, and you're asking me for a big case. So there you go. And I said, wait a second, everything I have is going to be taken. And so quick repentance comes into your life at that point, and I, I ask God for forgiveness. He says, one day you're going to have an island, you're going to want the moon. One day you're going to have an airplane, you're going to want a rocket, because you're a greedy man. You're not content with how I've blessed you. So God took me to... That night, I felt like I was in my undergarments in the middle of Bird Road, stripped of every one of God's blessing. So you start learning how to be thankful in the goodness of God. And so in that moment, you repent and you recognize, Lord, get me right with you so that I can see your favor in my life and thank you for it and be grateful. Because I, I didn't realize how blessed I was. And so God's sending them out and recognizing that the harvest is much, but the laborers are few. Pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. If you come before God, let me just ask you a question. If you seriously take this verse in reality and you follow his instruction, pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. Okay, so tonight you go home and you say, Lord, pastor was right. There's so many lost people that don't know you and haven't heard what I've heard, can you please send somebody out there to these lost people? You would have to have no conscience to hear that voice saying, you're the answer to your prayer. You're the person that I've been waiting to offer himself to go and talk to those people who don't know. Now, the travesty is, and, and it's always been the case, that empty chairs in church are a sign of one thing. And that one thing is that we're consumed with ourselves because we have invited no one, and so the chair right next to us is empty. And that is not being part and partner of the kingdom. And you'll see as, as he was saying to pray for laborers to go out to the harvest, um, the next verse tells the answer to that prayer, which it says, you go. Go your way. In your lifetime. This is, this is what became my passion at the law firm after the Lord showed me that I wasn't out there to have a big house and a big case and a big car and, and the... The, the blessings of physical possessions, but I was out there to be a witness to everybody who sat before me. And sure, they would come with legal problems and they would tell me all sorts of manner of issues. And I'd say, listen, we're going to deal with your legal problems and, and, and we're, we're going to do it well and give them their legal help. But most important, can you say that? Most important is your soul. Most important is the soul of your children, the soul of your families, the soul of your grandchildren, the soul of your mom, your dad, your uncles, your cousins, your neighbors. 
most important is that these people might have a witness here upon the earth greater than any other thing behold i send you out as lambs amongst wolves lord you sure you want to send me what what is what are the odds of a lamb being able to do anything productive when standing at odds with a wolf and so that's how he sends us out and he tells us in verse 4 don't worry about money don't worry about belongings don't worry about how you're going to shod your feet and do not allow anyone to hold you up along the way because you're going to miss your flight. You're going to miss and not be prepared for where I want to send you and what I want to do. Verse 5, but whatever house you enter, make the announcement, peace to this house. When I, when I read this, 30 years ago, I thought, because you watch too many movies, I thought you come into the house with pixie dust. And you go, bring. Here, here you go. You know, here, all of a sudden, bring. And I'm like, Lord, I don't have no pixie dust. I don't have anything to fix people's serious problems in their homes. And, and how many know that, that the passion of our ministry is birthed from the peace that was birthed in our family when it was the pit of hell 30 years ago. There is no greater deliverance than when God mends a home and brings reconciliation in a marriage and be able to turn the heart of rebellious teenagers to their father. There's no greater power upon the earth. And that's the power of the kingdom of God. So when we go into homes and we announce peace to this house, some people look at me. I remember when we walked into Flody's house. It's a young runaway girl from St. Brendan. She's 14 years old. She's running away with her 16-year-old boyfriend. Her stepfather is throwing a party. Can't believe the bratty stepdaughter is running away. And he was like crying, but every time the mother would look, he, he, he would look away. He would laugh and like, you know, get rid of the step. Because they don't have answers. There's no answers to problems. But I, I, the Lord allowed one of her mom, she was a school teacher in Braddock. She was a Spanish school teacher, and she would go off to the side after class, and she would weep and weep and weep because she didn't know what to do with her rebellious adolescent 14-year-old daughter. And one of the children was going to our youth group. It was Leo Acosta, and he goes over to the teacher. He says, I notice you're crying. Could I help? And she goes, oh, no, you're, you can't help with my problems. I have a daughter at home. And, I, and he goes, I can help. I'll pick her up on Saturday. I'll take her to youth group. And so he brought her, and, and Flody's life turned around 180 degrees. The, the, the peace that came into the house was supernatural. We started visiting the house, and the first day I got there, she was running away, and and I turned to, everybody was there, uncles, grandfathers, uh, cousins, uh, aunts, mom, stepdad. And I said, when we call on the presence of God, peace comes. And they looked at me, great, this is another psychopath here. They said, we have a priest coming on Monday night. We have a psychologist coming on Thursday night. I said, great, I'll take Tuesday night. <laughs> and when we begin to call upon the name of the Lord, his presence fills the place where we're at. 
And they looked at me like I was crazy. And sure enough, the experience was so powerful. Flori went back to school a couple of weeks later and stood on the cafeteria. And she pronounced the peace that had filled her home. And she invited all her St. Brendan's friends to come over on Tuesday night. And one of those friends was called Jose Palma. Another friend was called Kenny Hanau. And they're both pastors today. And so we have a kingdom that we proclaim, and it's not no funny stuff. It's not no fake. It's the reality of the presence of God that's in our lives. And so there it is. Take nothing with you. Wherever you go, whatever house you get in there, it's not pixie dust. It's the presence of Jesus. In verse nine, uh, verse 6, it says, And if, um, if a son of peace is there, if somebody is receptive to peace, you let it stay there. If not, that presence returns to you. And this thing about even tonight as I share, there's some of you saying, come on, Lord, I want that in my life. I want that in my family. I'm the answer to the prayer to the Lord of the harvest. Yeah. I'm, I'm a son of that kingdom. And, and you know what? There is no peace without righteousness. So that's what we were talking about earlier today. If you put your life right, then you're going to have peace. Now, a gentleman walked in here a couple days ago, and he says, I have no peace with this woman. And so I asked the lady, I said, what's your last name? And she says, X. And I said, what's your last name? He says, Y. I said, why don't you guys have the same last name? And the woman says, because says, I've been his lover for six years. You're not going to have peace committing adultery. You will have no peace. The Bible says that, that a wicked man will never have peace because he doesn't have an appetite for righteousness. If you get right, you'll see the peace of God follow. You cannot have the peace of God without his righteousness. So if you're a son of righteousness, if you're a son of peace, then it will rest upon you. If not, it goes back in the direction where it is coming from. We continue to read, and it says, verse 7, and stay in that same house and participate of the provision and, and of such things as they give you. Don't take anything, but the things they give you, enjoy it. The remuneration of people that are grateful. People that, that you know, and, and, and you, you'll see uh, when Christ came into our family, my dad being a prominent doctor and having much provision. He bought the church a school bus. He, he donated land. He, he sponsored. He was so appreciative. And so that, that, is, that is what happens when the kingdom comes. Zacchaeus, when the kingdom came, says, I'm going to give back everything I've stolen. And I'm going to bless people four times, eight times. What, what things I previously withheld. And you become generous. Such things as they give, for the laborer is worthy of his wages. The person that works is worthy of a return, of a blessing, um, one of the men that was working here for years, and, and he was like, man, I, I'm not getting paid. And then all of a sudden, he, the supernatural, how many, how many know supernatural reward of a God who sees? And so all of a sudden, somebody, brother says, come here, brother. I've noticed you've been here for 10 years, and I want to pay for your daughter's college fund. And you're like, what? Where did this come from? There's a God in heaven. And he owes no man nothing. 
but plentifully rewards those. Uh, even last year, as, as one of the families here at the church was spending much time um, with the rehearsals and with the music, and, and all of a sudden, here comes a brother and says, I feel like giving this guy my, I don't know if it's a suburban or expedition or God knows what it is. Uh, he says, I never even dreamed of having a, a car like that. But there's a God in heavens, and, and you see the recompense, the labor of our wages. God will not overlook that. Do not go from house to house. We're not to go begging from house to house. Uh, very wealthy and prominent men over the years have said, Joaquin, I'll take care of you. I'm like, <laughs> no, thank you. No, thank you. I am well taken care of. Amen. There's a God in the heavens. And I work for him and I serve him. And so that is reality. And so verse 8, it says, whatever city you enter and they receive you, eat those things that are before you. Participate. I, I at, at first, when you're an orphan, how many have been around an orphan? An orphan doesn't think he has a next meal. So at the present meal, he's going to show people he's hungry. And so I remember going into one of those all-you-can-eat places. You pay 10 bucks. I almost died. And I learned that when I go there, I'm not going to eat all I can eat. I eat a little bit, and I'll be back next week for another meal because it'll be there. Some of us want to sit down and get everything right now, and that's not proper for a son of God. Give us this day our daily bread. What I need for today, make my needs met. And tomorrow, I have a faithful God who will also bless me tomorrow. Eat such things as you are set before you at the present moment. And then it goes on to verse 9. Heal the sick that are there and say to them, the kingdom of God has come. This is what we're believing God for this year. We want such a manifestation of his kingdom in our midst that there will be no sick people in this church. We're believing God for an incredible deliverance of his power and grace. He continues on to say, in verse 10, First, he starts out with whatever home you're in. Now he's at the city level, whatever city you enter. And they do not receive you. Go out into its streets and say like this, verse 11, the very dust of your city which clings to us, we shake off, we wipe off against you. Nevertheless, know this, the kingdom of God has come near you. We, we've had that experience also. We've gone into houses and seen supernatural deliverance and had to say, you know something? We're, we're picking up and moving forward because you're not receiving the kingdom. And so he says that I say to you that it will be more tolerable in the day for Sodom than for that city. The consequences. And then he starts mentioning cities that have said, no, we don't want you. Verse 12, woe to Chorazin. But I say to you that in that day more tolerable than the, uh, that day for Sodom than for that city. Verse 13. Woe, these are, these are cities that, that had the opportunity to invite Jesus in and said no. Woe to you, Bethsaida. For if the works that were done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago sitting in sacks. And, you know, some, some people have seen the supernatural works of God in their midst and still say, we don't want the kingdom. And, and you could just, you, you could name them. Blind people have seen, crippled, lame have walked, uh, prison people have been set free, 
uh, drug addicts have lost their addictions. All the divorcees have got reconciled. But they did not allow the kingdom to come in. And so he says those that reject that kingdom, verse 15, and you Capernaum who are exalted to heaven will be brought down to Hades. He who hears you and hears me, he who rejects you rejects me. And he who rejects me rejects him who sent me. Verse 17, they return with joy saying, Lord, we see that the reality of what we talked at the beginning, that we go into these places and principalities and powers come under our command, our our leadership. Even the demons are subject to us in your name. When we represent you, those demons respect us and honor us. Verse 18, he says, And not only that, Satan himself, as a lightning that fell from heaven, I give you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you in these places. German spirits, Swiss spirits, Spanish spirits. Let me tell you something. I haven't felt more deep in wickedness than I did in Spain. In Spain, the Lord gave me a glimpse of the depth of the wickedness in that country. And then um, the Lord showed me, he says, Joaquin, you're used to the wickedness in the United States and it's only 200 and some odd years old. But Spain is like 4,000, 5,000 years old. So imagine what is the mechanisms of perfecting wickedness in a country that's been around for 5,000 years. Much worse than the United States that's only been founded 200 years ago, 1976. We sell, it's 1976, the bicentennial. From 1776 to 1976 is 200 years, and so we take it up to 2000. In 2076, we'll be 300 years old. So the wickedness we know and have seen in the United States compares to nothing of the depth and the debauchery and the degeneration of thousands of years in the European uh, pools and bloodlines. And so the Lord showed me that when we went to Madrid, that, that it has advanced, has become more sophisticated than we who, who are pretty much getting there, pretty much getting there. But even when we went to Switzerland at 2 o'clock in the afternoon, 3 o'clock in the afternoon, prime time, our, our children who are used to watching cartoons here, hardcore, I wouldn't even say triple X, quadruple X, X X-rated pornographic media and programming at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. In the United States, they wait till after 12 or whatever it is, 2 o'clock in the morning. But over there, it's like, big deal. So the depth of darkness there is huge. So he says... All these spirits will be subject to you. That's why when, when somebody walks in here with a 17-year cocaine addiction like George Caracol, and he stays in this place, those spirits leave. And he's like, well, I didn't even get withdrawals. What happened? What happened? Those demons ran. They ran in Jesus' name. In the presence of God. And that's what's happened in our lives. It's spirits of adultery, spirits of pornography, spirits of this one man uh, started coming to our men's meeting. Four hours of day addicted to pornography. 
And he didn't know even what to do. And, and he came to our men's meeting one night, and we met with him, and we prayed. And he called me back the next day. He says, this is the first time in six years that I don't watch pornography. Totally set free from the presence, the spirit of God. So these spirits run. And he says, don't rejoice that these spirits listen to you, but rejoice that your names are written in the heavens. Rejoice that you're a part of God's people. The seal of his salvation is upon you. In that regards, verse 21, in that hour, Jesus rejoiced in the spirit and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise. People are looking for these fountains of wisdom and the prudent and reveal them to babes, the people that are thirsty for the things of God. Even so, Father, so it seemed good to you in your sight to hide these things. Verse 22, all things have been delivered to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows who the Father is except the Son, and the Father will be revealed by those whom the Son will, wills to reveal him. And people want to see the kingdom. They want to partake. They, they don't want this to be a fantasy. But we can tell you, and we can spend the entire night here giving you example after example after example of what it is to represent the kingdom and walk in that authority. And so he turned to his disciples and he said privately to them, you are blessed with the things which your eyes have seen. Verse 24, the things your ears have heard. For I tell you that prophets and kings have desired to see what you see and have not seen it. And they have desired to hear what you hear and they still have not heard it. And then he gives a, a great uh, declaration of what the kingdom is when somebody comes up to him and he says, what shall I do that this, I can participate of this life? It had to be a lawyer. They stood up to him to test him, to say if, see if I can maneuver into coming into this reality. Teacher, what should I do that I can be a part of this? And so he answered him and said, if you love God with all your heart, your mind, and your soul, and you love those that are around you as yourself, and then verse 28, he said to him, you have answered rightly, do this and you will live. What is it written in the law? And so he answered those things. What is your reading of it? Verse 29, but he, wanting to try to ride above the instruction of the Lord, he says, who is my neighbor? Who, who am I going to live this life with? And so he gives the entire story of the Samaritan, the good Samaritan. And he says, listen, there was a certain man, verse 30, that went down to Jerusalem from Jerusalem to Jericho, so this is a man walking away from God and fell amongst thieves who stripped him of his clothing and wounded him and departed and leaving him half dead. This is the description of one who leaves the kingdom of God, who is walking away from the purpose of God. He's being stripped. He's being wounded. He's being left for dead. And by chance, a priest came by, a religious man, and when he saw him, he passed on the other side. Why? Religion cannot help the condition of man. Religion does not help. There's a lot of people that walk with religious garb, that have religious presence, but there is no substance. When he sees adversity, he has to cross because the reality of that stink will, will 
will uncover his lack of provision. And likewise, the Levite, the guy who knew the Bible by memory, you can memorize the entire Bible. When he saw the condition of the man, he passed by the other side. I know people that could read this book verbatim and have never seen one spiritual son, have never seen the fruits of the kingdom, have never seen the miraculous, the supernatural. So he also crosses the street. In verse 33, but a certain Samaritan as he journeyed, a common person, I tell people all the time, I haven't gone to seminary, I don't know theology, I don't know um, deep studies of biblical understanding, but I do know Christ. And I have entered into the kingdom. And I enjoy the fruits of seeing it flourish in my life and surroundings. And so he came up with compassion and he bandaged his wounds. And people come here so hurt. Uh, we have to ask God to give us, uh, you know, a thermometer of the depth of the hurt of those that surround us. This one man came uh, being a supervisor of, of, a, of, of a company and his employee says, I'm going home. And he says, good luck, Fred. And Fred went home and committed suicide. The anguish of the soul of those that are around us and we cannot understand. We say, hey, come here, Fred, sit down. What's going on? I want to help you. Let me pray for you. Let's talk about what's going on. And so we have to ask God, if we're kingdom people, we have the, God, the king's heart for the lost. And he had compassion. He was able to identify with his suffering. And he who comforted us will give us the capacity to comfort others and bandage his wounds and pour oil and wine and set him on his own animal. One of the greatest joy that you'll ever have in the world is to give a car away. Say amen. amen. It's the greatest joy you'll ever have to be able to see somebody who doesn't have a car and you give them a car. And, and that's not a feeling that many men have. It's not a feeling that many, because we're always wanting a car. How are you going to give a car away? We've given many cars away. And God's abundance allows you to have his provision. So he says, he poured out oil and wine and sat him on his own animal and brought him to a house. I can't wait till I start giving houses away. Why not? God could make that happen. God could make us. We, we, we were dying to have a home for, for people that, that are in need so they could get back together. And so that'll come down the road and said to him, he went, took him to a place and said, take care of him. And whatever he spends, it'll be on me. I'll come back and I'll cover that bill. This man must have known something that nobody knows. Could it be possible that the heavens open towards a generous man? Absolutely. Absolutely. Years ago, when I read that verse, it's better to give than to receive, I said, Lord, that doesn't make sense to me. And he says, well, if you're giving, it's because you have. I said, I like that. Uh, it is better to give than to receive. Because if you're on the receiving end, it means you need. And he who has received God's provision will lack nothing good. Satisfied. And we can confidently say that God has taken care of us every single day since we met him. Whatever happens, I will pick up the bill. And so that is the kingdom. 
This is the example he's answering to the person who's asking him, how can I live that life of the kingdom? Well, get ready to share the kingdom. Get ready to, to understand that if God is giving you his kingdom, it's not to hoard it and keep it, to share. So which of these three do you think was his neighbor? Which one represents the kingdom of God? To that man who fell amongst the thieves. And so there it is. There it is that says, he said, he who showed mercy on him. And he says, go likewise and do the same. And he finishes this whole chapter with the episode of Mary and Martha. One enjoying the presence of the king and one being so busy. is just frustrated, is beleaguered, telling Jesus, why don't you tell them to get involved? And Jesus says, listen. You're busy with many things. Martha, Martha, you have taken so many worries under your wing, you're not enjoying the king. The kingdom is to enjoy. When I see somebody frustrated, and over the years we've seen a lot of people frustrated, I say, listen to me, enjoy the kingdom. Let, let your ministry be an overflow of the abundance of what you enjoy, lest you burn out and shipwreck. What is shipwreck? You get stuck. Let's stand tonight and ask God, Lord, allow your kingdom to come. Allow your will to be done in my life. Uh, as the coming days, you grab Luke chapter 10 and, and go over it and go through it and say, Lord, I want to be like the good Samaritan. I'm not qualified. I'm not a Levite. I'm not a priest. I'm not uh, uh, someone who has the propensities to religiosity, but I want to be forgiven. And with that same comfort and forgiveness, ask the worship team to come forward with that same reality that it would be a part of my life, that I would also be able to heal the wounded, to be able to be a joy to him who is stricken. Those depth of joy, the depth of reality, it only comes about through deep, deep brokenness in your heart. Deep brokenness, the, the contentment, the expressions of joy. And so one of the greatest assets we have is not, it says the kingdom of God, not, God is not eating and drinking. Those things are, are they, they follow, but that's not the substance of why we follow the Lord. I think that's one of the things that has a lot of people freaked out about this book, What is a Man? A lot of people says, listen. What do you care? Listen, I might not care, but I know somebody who cared about this man. And he's given me provision to care about other men. And, and one of the things that breaks my heart is seeing a man outside of the kingdom. Because I know God is calling them to be a prince and to represent his peace and joy upon the earth. As we sing this song to the Lord, could you just spend some time asking God, what can I do to inherit this kingdom? That's what the man said. Who is my neighbor? Who can I start sharing with the abundance of what I've been given? Because if I'm not sharing what I have, then why should the Lord bring you into a, another realm? You know, it's just huge, huge. Um, the void that's in man's heart today in every turn at school. It might be apparent to one of your... Uh, sons or daughters, schoolmates. It might be a co-worker. It might be 
the guy who washes your car, who cuts your landscape? Are you sharing? Are you being able to, to is he be able to tangibly see or are you crossing the street? Are you being distant? Ask the Lord of the harvest to send laborers because the, the fields are white and ready to be harvested. As we sing this song, just talk with the Lord. You give life. You are love. You bring light to the darkness. You give hope. You restore every heart that is broken and great are you lord it's your breath in our lungs so we pour